Hello and welcome to Who's He at the Movies. It's nearly Halloween, so this time I'm going to be looking at John Carpenter's 1978 classic, Halloween. this film fairly late in life. I was probably in my 20s when I first saw it. Slasher movies never really appealed to me, but everyone told me that this one was a classic. And after watching it that first time, I wasn't really sure that it was. So after deciding to watch it again for this episode, I found that I had changed my mind. Now at this point, I'll usually go through a quick summary of the plot. But you know what happens. Kid kills his sister, spends years locked up in an asylum, escapes, returns to his hometown, begins killing again before being stopped. The end. But while this film is known for setting the template for a whole raft of imitators during the 70s and 80s, none of them have what this film does, and that's restraint. This is a very restrained film. It's not gory, in fact there is very little blood on show at all. And the build-up to when Michael Myers does begin his rampage, it's very patient, with John Carpenter relying more on atmosphere and tension, and not overly relying on jump scares and blood and guts. And while described as a slasher movie, it straddles supernatural horror as well. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at the film's antagonist, Michael Myers. It is never explained why, as a six-year-old child, he stabbed his sister to death on Halloween night in 1963. It is also never explained how, when escaped from his prison, he knows how to drive a car. Nor is it explained how he is able to survive being stabbed and shot and continues if nothing had happened. And where does his superhuman strength come from? As the character of Dr. Loomis says in the film, Michael Myers is just pure evil. And that's all we need to know about him. Until a few films later, of course, when they explain it away as a druid's curse or something. But the simple desire of this character is what makes the film so iconic and often copied. Wearing a boiler suit and a modified William Shatner mask, the shape, as he is known in this film, is a blank-faced force of nature. An unstoppable killing machine that unfortunately gave birth to other lesser slasher characters and also a series of films of ever-diminishing returns. But in this film, audiences had never really seen anything like this before. And for the majority of the film, he really is just a bogeyman or boogeyman as people of North America say it. By lurking hedgerows and the shadows, Michael Myers certainly comes across as more of a ghost than an escaped lunatic. In films like Halloween, there is a mixture of ingredients that can be found in most other slasher movies, which have really become tropes of the horror genre. Namely, the final girl, a disbelieving sheriff, and an expert on the killer. Now let's look at the final girl of this film, Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. While it seemed from the outset that Laurie would end up as one of Michael Myers' victims, her character is actually a wily and resourceful woman. As a character is babysitting her neighbour's kids on Halloween night, she not only has to look after herself, but also the two kids in her charge. And what is refreshing is that she is not some superhuman who can wield a variety of weapons. Curtis's Laurie Strode is a normal person, who is rightly scared out of her wits at this home invasion and realistically collapses in exhaustion after each encounter with Myers. And Jamie Lee Curtis is excellent in the role. She's not really given much to do until the final third of the film, but when called upon, she manages to stab Myers in a variety of ways, including a coat hanger in the eye. 
well, this is nasty. There is no blood spurt in all directions, and it is filmed in darkness, so it's, it's left to the viewer's imagination just to how nasty this looked. Now we come to the disbelieving sheriff, which in this case is Sheriff Lee Brackett, played by Charles Cyphers. And of course, a film like this will not be complete without the sheriff being the father of one of the villain's victims. But here, while he doesn't necessarily believe that Marco Myers will return to Haddonfield, he does render assistance in the hunt, and refreshingly, he does not end up a victim. Are you all right? Yeah. yeah. Nothing's going on except kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high. I have the feeling that you're way off on this. You have the wrong feeling. Well, you're not doing very much to prove me wrong. What more do you need? Well, it's going to take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes. I, I, I watched him for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall, looking at this night, inhumanly patient, waiting for some secret, silent alarm to trigger him off. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it, or you can help me to stop it. More fancy talk. Doctor, do you know what Haddonfield is? Families, children, all lined up in rows, up and down these streets. You're telling me they're lined up for a slaughterhouse? They could be. All right, I'll stay with you tonight. Just in the chance that you're right. And if you are right, damn you for letting him go. In other films of this nature, the sheriff would always meet a sticky end after spending the entirety of the film not believing anything that has happened and mistakenly arresting an innocent teenager. It's quite an annoying movie trope, but I'm glad to say that does not begin with Halloween. Now, lastly, we come to the expert on the villain, and in Halloween, this expert is Dr. Sam Loomis, played by English actor Donald Pleasance. Now, I've always found Donald Pleasance to be a very strange actor. He's starred in some very high-profile films, such as The Great Escape and You Only Live Twice, but he mostly gives performances of an extremely creepy nature, with his blank-eyed stare and monotonous voice being used to effect. But in this film, he gives a completely different performance. His portrayal of Sam Loomis is reasonably restrained. Desperately trying to tell people just how dangerous Michael Myers is, he gives a slightly panicky edge to Loomis, which again is great, as Pleasance would not be believable as a superhero-type doctor, so a small, bald, middle-aged man makes for a rather different type of hero. I'm not responsible, Sam. Oh, no. I told him how dangerous you he was. You couldn't have. Two roadblocks and an all-points bulletin wouldn't stop a five-year-old. Well, he was your patient, Doctor. If precautions weren't strong enough, you should have told somebody. I told everybody! Nobody listens. There's nothing else I can do. You can get back in there and get back on that telephone, tell him exactly who walked out of here last night, and tell him exactly where he's going. Probably going. I'm wasting my time. Sam Haddonfield is 150 miles away from here. Now, now, for God's sakes, he can't drive a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. But of course, this film gave birth to another trope of slasher films, horny teenagers. Actually, horny teenagers will end up as fodder for the bad guy of the movie. Yes, this is where sex will get you killed, and in Halloween, it's the characters of Linda and Bob who meet a nasty end after an evening of hot sex. Now, this is probably one of the best scenes in the film. When Bob goes downstairs to get post-coital beers, he is murdered by Myers when he's lifted up and pinned to the wall by a knife. While this shows the supernatural strength of Myers, it also shows that Myers still really has the mind of a child, as he stands there tilting his head from side to side in an inquisitive manner while staring at Bob's corpse. Myers then turns his attention to Linda and appears in the bedroom doorway wearing a white sheet over his head and Bob's glasses. 
And this scene is made more unnerving than anything as he just stands in the doorway and just stares at Linda while she attempts to talk to who she thinks is Bob. Only when she attempts to phone Laurie does Myers make his move. All right, all right, come on, where's my beer? Well, can't you answer me? Okay, don't answer me. Are you weird? Well, I'm gonna call Lori. I wanna know where Paul and Annie are. This is going nowhere. Finally. Hello? <laughs> Hello? And what makes this scene effective is that the atmosphere is generated by not much happening. Just the sound of Myers breathing and his stillness is enough to create tension, and when Myers does move, it makes the scene that much more scary. But of course, it's the end of the film that shows Myers to be practically invulnerable. And each time when you think Myers is dead, he rises up, usually out of focus in the background. Obviously, the impact of scenes like this has lessened over the years, as every slasher film that came after Halloween follows this pattern. But in 1978, this must have scared the pants off audiences. But Halloween set the template for a good many films of varying quality, but have kept horror fans suitably entertained one way or the other. Often imitated, but never bettered. And apart from The Thing, I think this is John Carpenter's best film. It's a simple and tight 90-minute film. There is nothing convoluted about the plot. And as for the backstory for the characters, well, only Michael Myers gets that. But even then, you never find out what his motivations are, and I'd like that ambiguity. And let's not forget the film's score. Composed by John Carpenter, it's just become as iconic as the film itself. When I think that the 31st of October is coming, the Halloween theme always enters my mind. But one final observation... I think this film also introduced the concept of Halloween as almost like a a public holiday in the UK. In 1978 in Old Blighty, trick-or-treating wasn't really a thing. I can remember Halloween being a very tame affair, where perhaps the occasional local baker might put a few plastic spiders on the ice buns in the shop window. But over the years, Halloween has certainly become more an event in the UK, and this film certainly helped to cement that, as on Halloween night, there might just be other forces at work, apart from ghosts and witches. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. 